Hello and welcome to this episode of the Complete Interpreter podcast from me, Sophie Llewellyn-Smith, or you may know me as the Interpreting Coach. Why the Complete Interpreter? Because you are more than an interpreting or translation machine. And so in this podcast, I talk about all things mindset, interpreting skills, use of language sometimes, one day marketing. Today is, I suppose, more of a mindset episode. And I've chosen to record this episode because we're approaching the end of the year. I have one more podcast lined up, which I'll be publishing on Monday, the 18th of December, which is an interview. So this is the last podcast that's just me, myself and I this year in this second season, as it were. I took a break over the summer. So I think I think this class is a season two. Will there be a season three? Well, that remains to be seen. <laughs> do I have anything left to say? I don't know. I do still get requests from people saying, please, can you talk about this? Please, can you talk about that? There's some really interesting topics in there. But a lot of them, I think, would be best tackled with a guest or possibly two. So that may or may not feature on my diary for next year. Today, then, I want to talk a little bit about how you can reflect on the past year and look ahead to 2024. Now, there's a million self-help blog post type things that you could look up, and I've been looking some of them up. Um, I found many of them very formulaic, which is perhaps not surprising. And so typically they ask you to think about what your biggest achievements were, where you failed in inverted commas. And I think there's some value in looking back on your failures, as it were, and trying to understand what went wrong and maybe what you can do differently. What lessons you've learned, what regrets you have, in other words, missed opportunities, what to do differently, what you need more of. And I, I have no objection to this way of analysing the past year. And some of what I'm going to say is going to overlap with that. But I found, I don't know, I found those blog posts a bit dry as a way of looking back on 2023. So here's my series of questions. Maybe you'll find them useful as a way to look back over 2023. And why not start by thinking about the achievements of which you are most proud? I think it's true that sometimes we do big and important and scary things and we don't really celebrate those things much or we move on into the next thing because life is busy and life is a series of challenges. And sometimes we don't really take a minute to reflect on how amazing it was that we managed to do certain things. So what are your proudest achievements for this year? Did you pass a test or did you take up a new hobby? Did you learn a new skill? Is it something personal? I have two or three achievements from this year that are important to me. One is an interpreting assignment that I did in September, which pushed me out of my comfort zone. And I, I'm not great at pushing myself out of my comfort zone. A lot of that comes from uh, whatever you want to call it, imposter syndrome or perfectionism, which are things that I'm very aware of in my psyche. Nevertheless, they can be hard to overcome. So when it comes to work assignments, interpreting assignments especially, I am 
sometimes reluctant <laughs> to leave my comfort zone. And so in September, I did something that I found big and scary. And I put in a lot of preparation and a lot of work. What I did was not perfect, but I was really glad that I at least did it. And I wouldn't look back and think, oh, wow, I was too, um, too chicken to even try. So I'm proud of that one. Another one I'm proud of is more in my personal life. And this is a really long-standing thing. It's this, that I am close, I think, to finding a way of eating healthily and exercising that is sustainable, where I feel good, I feel healthy, I feel full of energy. And this is something that I've struggled with a lot over the years. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've had plenty of periods of time where I've exercised a lot, I've been super fit, I've eaten very healthily. Um, but sometimes those things have been difficult for me to sustain for various reasons. And so I suppose what I'm proud of is that I've persevered <laughs> because so many times over the years I could just have given up and gone, oh, forget it. <laughs> I will never find a way of eating that that really suits me and is sustainable or a way of exercising that is sustainable and positive and um, joyful. So there we go. That's one that I'm proud of. And I think the third one that I'm going to mention is this podcast, would you believe? Because I started it more or less on a whim, I think. I, I can't even remember what was going through my mind. Late last year, maybe. I wonder if it was December. Which, if so, was bonkers of me because I was deep in the planning for Terp Summit 2023, which took place in January. So surely I can't have been considering launching a podcast while I was preparing for the summit. If so, that would be very typical of me, completely mad. Anyway, maybe it was after the summit that I thought, hey, why don't I, why don't I start a podcast? And so I did. And the reason I see it as an achievement is because I think it's a way of connecting with you, dear listener, and I do get probably more emails about the podcast than about anything else. And I think there is something very uh, personal and intimate about it because you are listening to my voice somewhere in the world. I don't know where you are, all of you. I don't know who you are. And I find that a really fascinating thing and quite an honour that you are giving up a slice of your time to listen to what I have to say, to my strange meanderings. So... I'm proud that I've kept it up consistently and that some people have felt that I had something to say. I'm proud that it's that I found some topics to talk about where I think I am able to pass on some of my knowledge and expertise. And so, yeah, the podcast is one of my achievements for this year. So that's your first question. What what achievements are you proudest of? And maybe it's worth also thinking, what led you to that point of being able to achieve those things? Is that something you can replicate in the future? Can you do more or bigger or better? At the same time, you might want to ask yourself what lessons you've learned from this year. And a question I rather like is, who do you think has had the biggest impact on you this year? Who's had the biggest impact? What do you think that impact has been? And maybe... If it's somebody that you know or whose contact details you have, maybe you could even get in touch to say thank you. 
So much for looking back. As I said, there are many other ways that you could look back on the past year. You could think about what you need more of, what you need less of, what you could do differently. But thinking about um, the year to come, 2024, here are some questions that I think I will ask myself and that you could ask yourselves. First of all, is there anything that you can stop doing? That you can stop doing because it takes up too much of your time or it sucks all the joy out of you? What is it that that thing costs you in terms of your mental health or your time or, or your physical health? I think for me, there's probably one really obvious thing, which is social media. I think I spend too much time checking social media, checking inboxes. And some of that is the nature of my work because I work in a customer service job. Basically, I, I run webinars and courses. And so I very often receive emails about the arrangement for those or how people can log into websites. So it's very, very hard for me to get away from my inbox, even when I'm on holiday. But certainly, I'm sure I could spend a little bit less time on Facebook. Although, interestingly, I think Twitter, i.e. X, has almost completely disappeared from my radar. So what could you stop doing and what is that thing costing you? Here's a question I like which I think we can often lose sight of in the drudgery of everyday life. And that question is this, what brings you joy and energy? Joy and energy. You know, I'm quite content with my life. I quite like most of my work. There are bits of it that are dull. Uh, there are some activities that I would rather not have to do. Most of those are to do with cleaning the house, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Hoovering, no thank you. <laughs> but what brings you energy and joy? Take a moment to think about that or write down five things off the top of your head that bring you energy and joy and, and uh, think about whether you could do one of them every day. Often the things that bring us joy are actually really simple things or things that don't take very long. Off the top of my head, the first ones that spring to mind for me are being out in nature, walking the dog, singing, dancing. Don't do that very often anymore, sadly. Music, if it's the right music, it can really change your mood. Playing the piano. I've just uh, restarted piano lessons after a break of only 35 years. <laughs> That's definitely bringing me joy. Anything creative, like sewing. And baking, baking special cakes and desserts brings me joy. Don't do that often because then you're left with a massive cake or 24 biscuits. And who do you think wants to eat them? Now, for you, it might be something really simple like making a wonderful fruit tea in a special mug and sitting down and just having that fruit tea. Who knows what your joyful things are? Let me know. Email me at info at theinterpretingcoach.com. I'd love to hear from you as usual. So yes, maybe your joyful things or the things that bring you energy are pretty short. Maybe it's um, talking to a friend of yours on the phone for a few minutes. See if you can do more of those. 
And I think many of the things that bring us joy or energy go back to our childhood. I don't know if you agree with this, but um, it's if I think back to my childhood and the things that made me happy as a child and a teenager that I see I see these overlaps, you know, singing, dancing, <laughs> creative things. Those are all those were my hobbies when I was a child. And gradually those things have eroded through having to have a job, spending lots of time on meeting prep or whatever it was that I was doing in my 20s. Uh, then I was doing a lot of teaching. So there was lesson prep. And then I had a family. Hmm. Children take up a lot of your time. Mind you, they do also bring joy some of the time. My daughter makes me laugh every day, sometimes laughing to tears. The last question I wanted to suggest to you is about goals, your goals for the year ahead. Now, some of the time I'm a big advocate of SMART goals. You know what SMART goals are? Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and time bound. And You've probably heard of SMART goals. They come up in any kind of coaching situation, whether someone is a, a personal trainer and asking you what your fitness goals are and your weight loss goals or your health goals or, or uh, any other kind of coaching, for example, performance coaching at work. So I imagine you've heard of SMART goals and the idea of those is to avoid having something really vague like I want to improve my English retort or I want to get fit. And what does that mean, really? You don't know where to start if that's your goal. So I absolutely understand the value of SMART goals. But I was giving some thought to the way that we frame our goals, especially when it comes to interpreting CPD. And I think that type of performance goal isn't always the best for, for CPD or for uh, interpreting related things. And sometimes performance goals can lead to a type of anxiety as well. Because let's say your goal is, I want to acquire 10 more direct clients next year, or something like that, that you've put a number on, or that's measurable, or by the end of the year, I want to have had three assignments with my English retour, or something like that. I think sometimes that can be anxiety in inducing if these things are outside of your control, some of them. You know, if your goal is, I want to exercise three days a week, generally speaking, that's within your control, unless you injure yourself. It's to do with scheduling and willpower and how you organise your time. But it's really up to you and nobody else. Whereas sometimes if you set goals like, I want this many new clients or I want this many new assignments or whatever it might be, uh, some of that is outside of your control. So... I was thinking more about learning goals. I like learning goals because they tie in quite well with the growth mindset idea, which I'm a big fan of. So instead of performance goals, perhaps you could set goals like this year I want to use, I want to learn to use such and such an AI tool in order to make my translation work more efficient. Or this year I want to regularly attend interpreting practice sessions so that I feel more confident about my performance working between Spanish and English or something like that. So I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, 
that when people think about goals, they often frame them in terms of outcome, their outcome goals. But I think there's massive value in having process goals. So even if your long-term goal, if the outcome is, I would like to get more contracts with a an, my English retour, I'm interested in the process to get there. And there you, you have a lot of latitude in setting really satisfying goals, which could be, uh, I will join a practice group. I will do some shadowing three times a week. I will this, I will that. But because they're framed in terms of process and they're related to your learning and growth and development, I think those are really positive goals. Speaking of energy and joy, which I was just a few minutes ago. So instead of being oppressive, I think those types of goals can be really exciting and energizing and they can really make you feel that you're on a journey and you're taking steps towards where you want to go and the person and the interpreter that you want to be. That's probably all I want to say. Maybe you reflect on your year or you think about the year ahead in very different ways and I would love to hear from you if you do. I know, for example, that some people like to set a word which is their intention or their mantra for the year ahead. Personally, I don't do that because when I've read about or heard about other people's words, I find them a bit too vague for me. <laughs> They're things like growth or gratitude. And I can't, I can't really relate to that. I find it too big and too amorphous. But maybe you like to do that. Or maybe you like to sum up the past year in a single word. Email me if you do. Info at theinterpretingcoach.com. I would love to hear from you. In the show notes, there is a short form where you can let me know what you would like me to talk about next. Although <laughs> there is always the question of, should I stop doing the podcast? <laughs> it takes up a lot of time. But I don't know, this year it's brought me enormous satisfaction. I suppose I like to feel useful and I like to feel that I'm serving my community. So I think I'm going to go on with the podcast. I hope you have a lovely Christmas if you celebrate Christmas or happy holidays and hopefully see you. See you, that sounds weird. Hopefully you will hear from me in this format in 2024. Take care.